Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Gospel of John chapter 18, but Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, and I want to read verse 12, and then John chapter 18, Matthew 24 and verse 12, this chapter of course the Lord himself is describing the events that will surround the end time. And uh, he's talking about various things that are noted here in these, what I would call just bullet points of things that are going to happen. And then he gets down to verse 12 and he says, Because iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I want to go ahead and give you my title this morning. And then I want to read from the book of John chapter 18. But I want to, I want to preach about this morning the consequences of getting cold. The consequences of getting cold. Let's go to John chapter 18 and I'll begin there with verse 15 and Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple that disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest but Peter stood at the door without then went out that other disciple which was known unto the high priest and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of these, or this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And the servant and the officers stood there who had made a fire of coals For it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Let's jump down to verse 25. And then Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. And they therefore, and they said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? And Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. The consequences of a cold heart. Let's pray that the Lord would help us. Let's pray that the Lord would touch us. Let's pray that the Lord would... Have his way in our lives. Jesus, we need you. We need you, God, to touch and to minister and work in our lives. I'm praying, God, that you would help us today and you would speak through your word to each and every one of us that is in this room. Help us to be stirred. Help us to be moved upon. I pray that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would be upon us here today. We thank you, God. For this very opportunity to be in your house, to feel your touch and your presence. I pray that you would do your work here this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for it. Amen and amen. Would you once again give praise to the Lord and thanks to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. They are forecasting early this week, a drastic drop in the temperature. We've enjoyed really moderate temperatures for the most part thus far uh, since the beginning of the fall. 
Uh, of course, this is not extreme cold that we're talking about that is on the horizon, but it's cold for us, and you can even feel a little bit of drop in the temperature today. It's just wet and cold. But I thought about that, and I considered the fact that I have not really had, and perhaps like most of you, uh, have not really experienced extreme cold for a prolonged period of time. I've just had brief visits uh, to the north during the winter. I've been amazed at the sights that I have saw there most of my life, having been lived in places where it didn't get extremely cold. And I remember times being in Michigan and different places up north during our brief stints there during the winter, and the snow being up to the eaves. Uh, they pushed snow off the parking lot of the churches, and, and the snow would be piled up so high that it would be higher or as high as the roof. And uh, snow, I, I know that it affects every area of people who live in it. The cold, the snow, the ice, all of that affects their lives. It affects travel. It affects how they live and even how they survive. The cold requires heavier, heavier clothing, such as thicker coats. It requires that houses be... Uh, heated more efficiently. You know, I was also taken aback that many of the homes up there don't have the same type of central heating that we have here. But many times, uh, fuel, wood-burning fuel stoves are used and, and then uh, ducked out through the house to give the same feel of a central heating unit. Uh, also, oil and other types of fuel is used to heat the homes. Even, even water, the steam that comes off the water is used to heat the homes. And uh, this type of cold that is there is so extreme that it requires that pipes be uh, buried a little bit deeper below a certain what they call frost line. And because of the cold, there can be irreparable damage that can be done if things are not protected properly. And if you've ever been in cold country, you can look around just a little bit and you can see the effects of the extreme weather there. You can see the effects on the buildings and you can see the effects on the roads that you travel because of the extreme cold. I was reading about the effects of the stream, the extreme cold on the physical body. And I was amazed at the spiritual parallels that can be made here between the two. Of course, I can't go into all of them, but prolonged exposure to the cold can cause the physical body a lot of damage, as you know. Uh, blood flow, because the blood vessels constrict, blood flow is restricted. And therefore, uh, as you know, the life is in the blood. And the blood is not able to reach out into the extremities and it causes frostbite and other problems that can occur as a result of this. As I thought about that, I thought about a person that has a cold heart towards God. It's as if the life-giving flow of the Spirit is unable to reach them and minister to them and help and strengthen and bless their lives. You know, it's more than just what happened to us when we came to God and received Him for the first time or was uh, first filled with the Holy Ghost. But we... We've got to be replenished. We've got to be renewed. We've got to be touched again by the power of God. We've got to have the Spirit of the Lord to minister to us often. It cannot be something that just happens periodically, but it has to be something that happens more routinely in our lives. And we cannot allow ourselves to ever become cut off from the flow of the Spirit. 
and uh, anything to enter into our hearts to keep us isolated from the presence of God. And also prolonged exposure to extreme cold affects a person's cognitive ability and causes a mental fog to set in. And uh, when a person is affected by the cold for a long period of time, poor decisions are made and uh, negative choices are made. And how many times have we seen this happen in the lives of those that have grown grown cold spiritually? It seems that, that choices and decisions and things uh, that uh, they would have never uh, chose to do that in the past. They'd have never gone that direction. They would have never thought that way. They would have never, they would have never allowed their mind to travel down those avenues. But because of spiritually drawing cold, spiritually becoming uh, cold in their spirit and cold in their heart towards God, they allow themselves. The fire no longer burning. The desire for God no longer there like it used to be. The desire to be in the presence of God. The desire to hear God's word. The desire to, to pray. The desire to worship is no longer there. And it seems like no matter what happens and what someone else tries to do to stir and to kindle that fire back, to inspire a desire within that individual to to get get back to doing what they used to do for God, serving God with the same intensity that they once did. It seems like nothing nothing affects them, and we understand that it can be a very damaging thing to that individual. Prolonged exposure to the cold can cause a numbness. And a loss of feeling is what I have found. And, and uh, many of you know what that's like. You've been maybe out in the elements for a period of time. And your, your extremities, your toes, your fingers, they become, they become numb. And there's no longer feeling. And it takes a little while for them to get warmed up for the feeling to come back. And spiritual coldness can be the same way. It can cause there to be a numbness in a person's spirit. It seems like nothing penetrates. I want you to hear me this morning. It seems like nothing touches them. Nothing affects them. Nothing, nothing gets a hold of them and causes them uh, to realize that maybe I've drifted a little bit. Maybe I'm not where I used to be. Maybe I don't feel the same fire and burden and passion and desire that I used to for God because I've gotten numb and calloused and cold in my spirit. Spiritual coldness described here in, in Matthew chapter 24, uh, it, it sets in gradually as it's described. It's nothing abrupt. It isn't sudden. It doesn't happen quickly, but it's something that gradually uh, has an effect on a person's life. He talks about it waxing cold, just like a candle's wax as it runs down the side of a candle from the heat of the flame. But if that candle ever goes out or as it gets further away from the fire, it begins to, uh, to become solid again. And it waxes cold and it and it takes on a different it takes on a different type of substance and, and it takes on a different a different uh, I guess you would say molecular uh, element. Uh, it, it is totally different than it was when it was near to the fire. It isn't something that happens. Uh, Fast, but it's gradual, it's incremental, it's accumulative. People who get cold in the Lord, uh, I don't know that they ever plan to. I don't know that it's something that they ever anticipate. It's not like they wake up one morning and decide that I'm going to destroy my life today. It's not like they wake up one morning and they plan 
to become cold in the Lord. Or they plan or intend to allow this to happen. They, they never see themselves drifting that far. Amen. I have seen it in church services. I'm, I'm just going to talk from my heart this morning. This is what the Lord laid upon my heart. And I just want to speak from my heart today. I have seen people as they struggle. It's almost like a, a spiritual haze. You can see it in their eyes as they struggle to be attentive. They struggle. You, you can tell that their mind is wondering. You can tell that, that they're struggling to keep focus and keep their head in the game, if you will. Keep their heart in what's going on. They know what is right. They've heard the truth. It's been preached to them. They understand what the Bible says. And they even understand the implications of becoming cold. They know the dangers of being backslidden. They understand the dangers of drifting away from God. They've seen it. Example after example, not only in the Word of God, but they, they've seen the examples of it in, in real time. They've watched people walk away from God. They've watched people uh, backslide, and they have seen and been an eyewitness to folks uh, losing their relationship with God. But I want to tell you, unless you're purposeful about it, unless you really are determined in your heart to to make sure that it doesn't happen to you. All of us will have the propensity to grow cold in the Lord. All of us will have periods of time that if we don't shake ourselves and if we don't allow ourselves to be quickened by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, if we don't allow something to penetrate through the calluses of our heart, and stir us and move us and change us, we too will grow cold and distant. And the path that we despise and the things that we said we would never do, the things and the places that we said we would never go spiritually, and, and the person that we thought we could never become, we will become that individual if we're not careful. Amen. It's, it's there in the Word of God. It, it warns us over and over again. It uses words like beware. It uses words like, uh, uh, you know, awake for a high time for us to awake. Uh, for the coming of the Lord is nearer now than when we first believed. Why is those warnings in the Scripture? Why is those statements in the Word of God? I'll tell you why. It's because it's within all flesh the propensity uh, to draw cold in the Lord. I've watched it happen. I've watched it happen to those that were spiritually on fire, for those that were fervent Worshippers, I've watched it happen to those uh, that were ardent prayer warriors uh, that were faithful to the house of God. I'm thinking of one particular individual that was so anointed and used and powerfully uh, favored of God. God's hand was obviously upon them. But uh, circumstances began to unfold in their life that they had not foreseen. Situations begin to occur in their life and they did not take care of them. I'm going to tell you, if you don't debris yourself from the accumulative things of this world that try to attach themselves to you, if you don't free yourself from the feelings and the emotions and all of that that tries to get in your heart and separate you from the presence of God, you are in danger of drawing cold in the Lord. I've heard people that say, I'm never going to leave living for God. I'm never going to leave off serving the Lord. I'm never, I'm never going to walk away from God. I'm never going to backslide. I'm never going to become that individual. I'm going to tell you, if you allow things to get in your heart that shouldn't be there, you don't know what you will become. You don't know what would happen to you. That's why it's important that you avail yourself to the presence of the Lord and say, God, God, stir my heart. Move on me. Convict 
me. Come on, conviction is a good thing. Conviction is what instigates change in your life. When you feel that conviction for wrongdoing in your life, I've not been praying like I need to pray. I've not been worshiping like I need to worship. I've not been faithful like I need to be faithful. I've not been thinking the things that I need to be thinking. I've not been talking like I need to be talking. That's God trying to get a hold of you and to stir your heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we we can put it away and we can put it aside. That's our choice. But God deals with us. But, But how many times have people not saw it coming? But it was a progression that took place. And because they didn't deal with it early on, it got out of hand. It got out of hand in their life. And that is what is displayed. That is what is displayed in this story of Simon Peter. You understand that a few chapters prior to our text in John chapter 13, Jesus was troubled in his spirit as he gathered his disciples around. And they were at that meal that we call the Last Supper. This was the last time anything that he was going to deposit into their spirit, anything that he was going to say, anything that was unsaid that needed to be said to them, this was the opportunity. And this was the chance for him to do so. And suddenly to their astonishment and their shock, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And the Bible says that every one of the disciples to a man looked one to another and said, Is it I? Every last one of them realized something in that moment that we may feel close to the Lord right now. We may be in His very presence physically right now. But... Uh, Maybe there's something that I am not aware of that still lingers in my heart. Maybe there's something down deep in my spirit. I want to tell you, that's why we need the Lord to, to shine a light on our hearts. That's why the psalmist said, try me and see if there be any wickedness in me. He said, I may not even realize it. I may not even know it. And, and that's the way it is with the person that is drawing cold. Is they, don't, they don't always realize it. They don't always see it. They don't always recognize it in their lives. That, that's, that's why people, they can be disengaged. That's why they don't even realize how far that they've drifted from God. They don't even realize how numb they've become to the conviction of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of the Lord moving upon them. Hey, I'm not talking about somebody out there. I'm talking about right here in this building. I'm talking about you and I. We have to be careful. It doesn't matter how long your tenure is. It doesn't matter how, how, how much you've experienced in God and how much you think you know about God's Word. All of us have to be extremely careful. All of us have to be watchful to, to always recognize that the enemy is working every angle that he possibly can. See it wickedness. I may not know about it God but I want you to search me. I want you to look into every corridor of my heart. I want you to look up and down every back alley of my heart because I want to know that I'm right. I'm getting too close to the end not to be saved. I'm getting too close to the end of this race to be playing games. I'm getting too close to the end not to be stirred up and moved on in my spirit. I want to be sensitive to the voice of God. I want to hear the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. You know, sometimes it doesn't matter. You would think that that somebody that has been brought from such a long way that God has done so much for, they would forever be thankful and at least give the remaining part of their life to God. And never want to return and do everything that they possibly could to build up a barrier so that they could never go back. They would never return to the individual, the person that they used to be. You take a person that was addicted 
to drugs or alcohol and in a hopeless state. It's amazing to me that that person could ever grow cold in the Lord and indifferent towards the things of God. But it happens. I've seen it happen. I've dealt with people and am dealing with people that it has happened to. They get cold in their spirit. And it looks like that person just be so thankful they got a place, amen, to be saved and be right and live for God. They wouldn't be looking around, picking around for something that's wrong. Amen. But they'd be thankful that this is, this is right enough to save me and bring me out of sin and bring me out of the darkness. Amen. I want to tell you, I don't want to let any kind of bitterness or hatred or spirit of envy or jealousy get in my heart. Amen. It caused me to be lost. God has done so much for me. Praise God, but it happens, it happens. It happens to these closest followers of Jesus. How could a man spend three and a half years seeing miracles, blind eyes open, deaf, deaf ears unstopped, dead people being raised up. I'm, I'm talking about after four days of being in a tomb. How could they ever betray how could they ever walk away how could they ever backslide but it happens it happened gradually here because Simon Peter stood up in the midst of these men and said you know one thing I know is that before I would do what you're saying before I would betray thee He said, I would die for thee. I'd give my life. I'd lay it down before I would do that. And the Lord looked at him. And he said, you're not going to betray me. But he said, you are going to deny me. Your faith is going to go wobbly. And you're going to deny me not once, but three times, Simon. He just didn't see it. He didn't see how it could ever happen that way. This man that had seen more miracles than three-fourths of the disciples because he was a part of the big three that got to go into places. He got to go to the Mount Transfiguration. He got to go inside the doors of Jairus' house and see Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. He was a part of that number that went with the Lord a little further in the Garden of Gethsemane and watched him pray with such intensity that great that his sweat was like drops of blood, the Scripture says. These were things that he witnessed. These were things uh, that he was a part of. He was a part of that inner circle, if you will, And, uh, you know, if you was thinking of anybody that would have a problem, anybody that would backslide, anybody that would get cold, surely it would not be Simon Peter. But the Bible says that when that night came of betrayal and Judas planted the kiss on Jesus' cheek and the arrest was made there in the garden and they carried him away, that Peter followed him. And then it says they came to a door and he stood without or he stood at the door. And and I guess the parallel could be made here is that I'll go this far, but I can't go entirely into the place because in there, that's a judgment hall. In there, it means that I may be uh, perpetrated in this crime. It may be that I am found guilty also of being one of them. I'll stay out here in the safe zone. I'll stay out here where I'll be okay. I just won't go any further. And the Bible says that there were others that went on in, but but Peter stood without. I, I want to. I, you you see that over and over again. People are willing to go so far in their relationship with God, in their service to the Lord. They're willing to go so far in their commitment, so far in their consecration, so far in their worship, so far in their prayer. But God, don't ask me for any more. 
because this is as far as I will go. Verse 15, he followed Jesus. He was with Jesus. And then in verse 16, he stood without. And then notice what happened. In verse 18, it says he stood with them. And in verse 18, he warmed by their fire. He began to warm and to find his source of heat. He used to find his passion in serving God and worshiping God and living for God and praying and being in the presence of the Lord. He used to find his his greatest excitement and his greatest enthusiasm was surrounded around the church and the things of God and going to church services. But suddenly now he gets more of a thrill out of warming by the world's fire and what the world has prepared. That's what entertains him. That's his source of passion. That's that's where that's where he gets the biggest thrill. That's what enthuses him the most is being with the world, standing with the world, warming by the world's fire. And then in verse 27 it says that he had denied him by this time three times. It was accumulative. It was gradual. It was a process. Scripture reveals that people do strange things when they get cold. Things they never suspected themselves ever doing when they get cold. Cain slew Abel because of coldness in his heart. How cold do you have to be? How much envy has to build up in your heart? Hey, this didn't happen overnight. This, this wasn't something that happened in just a small space of time. No, no, no. I, I don't believe that at all, but I believe that jealousy and envy, watching the blessings of God upon Abel and him still struggling and him seeming like he couldn't get ahead, him seeming like man, maybe God doesn't know my name and he doesn't know where I'm at and what's going on with me and what's wrong with me. I'm going to tell you that type of thinking will lead you further down into darkness you have to you have to realize God's not a respecter person God is blessing God is going to work according to his word it may not be my time yet but if I keep on being faithful and if I keep on serving God and if I keep on doing the will of God amen God will bring me out of this and God will bless me too he doesn't love Abel more than he loves me he doesn't love the person across the church more than he loves me but I just got to keep on serving God according to his word it was because of a cold heart that Lot felt comfortable in Sodom that's why he chose that direction in the first place was thinking about himself thinking about his own needs and what would be best for him he looked according to the eye He walked according to the appeal of the eye. And the Bible tells us as a result that his family was lost and he scarcely was saved because of a cold heart. Because of a cold heart, the flood came in Noah's day because of people that was, their minds were on evil, the Bible says, continually. Continually. Esau despised his birthright. This was something that was intertwined with the blessings of God. And he got to the place that he despised it because of a cold heart. Joseph's brethren sold him into slavery because of the coldness that was in their heart. When an individual's heart gets cold, marriages dissolve. Families are decimated and destroyed. Potential is lost. Prayers are hindered. Somebody wonders, why is my prayer not getting through? Well, you've got to have some fire in that prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. You've lost your fire somewhere along the way. 
Revival is restricted when, when people's hearts get cold. We've got to have our hearts stirred. A cold heart can cause people to do things they later regret. You think there wasn't some regret with those people that I just mentioned? You think Cain didn't, didn't after, after the rage was gone and the anger had, had dissipated a little bit, you think he didn't wonder, what in the world have I done? I've taken my own brother's life. I have, I have rose up against my own brother Abel. And I have murdered him in a rage. And he begins to go and try to hide the evidence, the body. He tries to hide it. And the Lord cries out to him and says that Abel's blood calleth from the ground. I'm going to tell you there's a guilt, there's a shame, and there's an agony of torment that goes along with actions that are made and choices and decisions that are made in coldness. When our heart gets numb to the presence of God and we don't make decisions and choices in the wisdom of the Lord, amen, but we make them according to our own logic and we make them according to our own comfort and our own desire and our own passions from within instead of following the Word of God and the Spirit of God. I'm going to tell you there's a danger in that. Esau, the Bible said he immediately when he got his stomach full from the lentils that were supplied to him and, and now that moment had passed when he was he felt like he was starving to death and and that fleeting moment passed and, and he, he, he realized what he had done. And the Bible says that he went out and he sought repentance, but he was unable to find it. But even though he sought carefully with tears, he sobbed, he cried, he agonized, he laid across the altar, but it was to no avail. The decision was already made. I'm going to tell you, God can forgive us of things, but there's some things that you can't undo once you've done them. There's some mistakes that you can't retract, and you can't redo, and you can't push a reset on, and you can scar your life in such a way that you wake up someday with regrets and, and, and the pain of things that you have you have done in the past and you, you can't change that. You have to just walk through the paint. You just have to walk through that turmoil of having made those decisions and those choices and sowed those things because the Bible says God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Samson, don't you think he replayed in his mind over and over again while he was in that Philistine prison, grinding like an animal, like doing the job of an ox. You think it didn't replay in his mind how many times God had anointed him, what it used to feel like and what a great touch of God he used to experience when the Spirit of the Lord moved upon him and he was able to pick up a jawbone of a donkey and slay a thousand Philistines and leave their bodies in heaps or take the city gates of Gaze and carry them up a steep hill and drop them down like they were nothing or to, to slay a lion that roared against him in a vineyard. You think he didn't replay those high water marks and Great things that God had done for him in his life. I think that ever passed his mind as he was there, his eyes having been gouged out. If I'd only listened, if I'd only stayed close to God. What about the prodigal? You think the decisions and the choices that was made when he got cold? He got cold not while he was in the hog pen. He got cold while he was sitting at his father's table eating his father's food and being supplied every day with his wants. Everything was there for him. And it was during that period of time that some way he, he, he forsook the, the love of the father and the kindness and the compassion and the mercy of the father and went on his way and made the choice and the decision to walk away but in a far country the Bible says that he came to himself and to begin to think he began to consider the choices that were made when his heart was cold talking about the consequences of getting cold things like guilt 
pride, bitterness, jealousy will cause coldness to settle into a person's heart. Guilt because of things that were done you feel like you can't overcome. Guilt says, I owe you. And when you see someone that you've wronged, you, you constantly got that reminder. You say, well, I, I owe so much. There's no way I can make it up. That's what guilt constantly reminds you of. And bitterness, it says, you owe me. I, I've been wronged. And so every time you see that individual, you, you're always thinking, you, you owe me something. I, I, I'm required something of you. you. You've never told me that you're sorry. You, you've never made the wrong right. In, in, come on now. Don't act like this never happens because it does. Amen. We know how to hunt and fish around here. We also know how to hold grudges around here. Come on. Say praise the Lord somebody because it's the truth. And people say, I'm going to hold that. Pride says, uh, I owe me. There's something more I need out of life. And, and jealousy says, uh, God owes me. I, 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 I didn't get everything. I didn't get a fair shake. I, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't born with the same privileges. I didn't get the same, same start that everybody else got. And nearly every one of the sins that, that you can think of and, and, and that, that attacks your life it sprouts from one of these four roots uh, that I just described it comes from guilt and condemnation or it comes from bitterness or it comes from pride or, or perhaps jealousy but, but it comes from one of these things that are down there that hasn't been dealt with I tell you it's important that you get down to the root of the matter and dig it out and say God it's my desire to serve you it's my desire to do your will it's my desire desire to live for you with all of my heart oh lift your hands and let's talk to the Lord let's talk to the Lord so someone says what do you do about a cold heart how do, you, how do you circumvent it? How do you overcome it? What's the cure for it? Luke chapter 24 tells us that there were some men that were sorely disappointed, thinking that their life as they had known it was over with. And they were walking down a road together. We only have one of their names, Caiaphas. And they were walking down that road. As they were walking down that road, there was a man that joined them. And they didn't recognize him. And the Bible tells us that he began to talk to them. And he asked them why they were sad. Why they were feeling the way they were feeling. They said, haven't you heard about what's gone on? That Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. We put so much hope in this. And they were cold with discouragement and disappointment. But as they began to walk down the road, and it came time for them to go to their places of dwelling, and he was going to go on a different direction, they said, why don't you just continue with us? And they later made this observation. They said... As he was walking with us, we were talking with him. Did not our hearts burn within us? I just felt something. An old feeling came back on me. I couldn't even really, I couldn't put it together. I wasn't making the connection just then. But, but I felt something that I hadn't felt in a few days. 
What was it? It was being in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, the cure for a cold heart is getting back into the presence of God and letting the Spirit of the Lord melt you, letting the Spirit of the Lord touch you, letting the Spirit of the Lord revive you, let the Spirit of the Lord minister to you again, let the Spirit of the Lord work on you and help you and revive some things that are dying in your life. A heart burned within us. Why don't you stand to your feet? The key is getting in the presence of the Lord. You know, when we get cold in the Lord, the, the natural tendency, the fleshly tendency, the, the tendency that we always lean to and that we have a propensity to follow after in our flesh is to go further away from God and search for cures and answers in other places other than in the presence of God and in the Spirit of the Lord when really what we need to do is run to the presence of God. What we really need to do is say, God, let me get back to the altar. Let me get back into your presence. Let me once again feel your glory. Let me be renewed again. Let me speak in tongues again. Let my heart be melted with conviction again. Let me be stirred up once again. Oh, it can happen. It can happen. Jeremiah so despondent about things. said, you know what? I'm going to leave off even speaking about him. I'm not even going to mention him anymore. He said, I'm going to basically quit talking about God. The Bible said in Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire. Like a burning fire, it was shut up in my bones. Amen. I'm going to tell you what the answer is what the cure is for a cold heart is to get back in the Word of God. Get back where the Word of God is being preached because there's hope in the Word of God. When you hear the Word of God, it reminds you of what God is able to do. It reminds you of the promises of God and His Word that God has promised me that He will heal. God has promised me that He will say. That God has promised me that He will answer prayer. That God has promised me that He will work that God has promised me that he will honor my faith that God has promised me that he will bless my faithfulness get back to the word of God that's not all in Psalms 137 the Bible tells us about those that were in Babylonian captivity that hung their hearts harps on the willows and they said, those that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? You know, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do is stop worshiping. Because he knows that's the pathway back into the presence of God. And if you ever get back in the presence of God, you're going to get your joy back. You're going to get your passion for God back. You're going to get your love for truth back. You're going to get your desire for the Word of God back. You're going to get your love for the work of the Lord back. So what I do, how do I cure a cold heart? Don't I have to feel something to worship God? Not according to this Bible. Thy Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It doesn't say because you already feel joy. It said to make a joyful noise. It said to leap for joy. Amen. What are you saying? I'm telling you, sometimes you got to clap your hands when you don't feel a thing. Sometimes you got to leap when you'd rather feel a little bit more to do so. you got to run when you don't necessarily feel it. you got to dance when you don't necessarily feel it. you got to raise those feeble hands and you got to clap and worship to God when you don't necessarily. In that church of Ephesus, he said, I have somewhat against you. You've gotten cold. You've left your first love. Revelation 2. He said, but I've got a desire to see you come back. 
And I want to give you some instruction, he said. He said, first of all, you've got to remember what it was like. Come on, does anybody remember what it was like to be lost in the presence of God? Does anybody remember what it was like when, when you was worshiping the Spirit of the Lord moved upon you in such a way that you didn't have the burdens and the heaviness that you feel sometimes now? Anybody remember what it was like in a prayer meeting to be touched by the presence of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost? He said, remember, and then repent from whence thou hast fallen. And do your first works over again. Come on, it's simple, folks. Somebody said, why? Why do we, why do we come early for prayer every service why do we have altar service nearly every service why do we sing why do we do these things that we do because it works that's why we're not looking for some new thing we're going to do our first works over again be renewed and restored Hear the word of God again afresh. Somebody needs to say, God, let me hear it just like I heard it the first time. Let me feel it just like I felt it the first time. Let me experience it just like I did the first time. I wonder if there's somebody that wants to come into the presence of the Lord this morning and just let him melt your heart. God, I want to get close enough to the flame to let you melt my heart. Every bit of self-will, every bit of the world that is accumulated there, and every bit of the things of this old world that has tried to get down in my spirit and cause me to be separated from Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Stir me, God. Quicken my heart, Lord. Get a hold of me. Move on me. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Don't let me let down my guard in such a critical hour. Oh, don't let me mess up so close to the end. God, stir me, Lord. Let me feel what I used to feel and experience what I used to experience. Let me get to the depth that I used to get to. I don't want to just be superficial. I don't want to just be God, uh, one of those that is just uh, in it for the loaves and the fishes, but God help me. Help me some way to get my love for you at the level that it used to be. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, as they begin to sing, let's cry out to the Lord, let's call on Him.